Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. And good afternoon, everyone. I hope you're having a great day and you had a good weekend. Uh, thanks for joining us. So there's been a lot of talk, as you know, lately of uh, these new collaborative care clinics being set up across the province, uh, ostensibly to help address problems some patients are encountering accessing family doctors. The collaborative care clinic is... A- a relatively new concept here in Newfoundland and Labrador, and a lot of people, including some physicians, still have a lot of questions about how they will work. Well, here to answer some of those questions are Melissa Kosh, Regional Director of Primary Health with Eastern Health. Hello, Melissa. Good morning. And Rebecca Radovsky, Clinical Chief of Primary Health with Eastern Health. Hi, Rebecca. Good morning. So, uh, Melissa, I guess we'll start with you. What What is your role as primary uh, health, uh, regional director of primary health? So my role as uh, regional director is uh, I provide senior leadership oversight of uh, primary health care and chronic disease prevention and management. And so what that means is... Primary health care is, you know, typically a, a individual's first entry point into the health care system. So we're working very hard uh, to create access to primary care across the region. We work very closely with um, uh, several different community partners as well as our partners in the family practice network to uh, enhance both access and quality of um, primary health care. And part of that is the collaborative team clinics, but it's much more than that. And it's uh, all across the region from uh, Metro right into our rural region um, in Eastern Health. And Rebecca Radovsky, Clinical Chief of Primary Health with Eastern Health, what's your role? Sure. So I'm actually a, a fee-for-service family physician in the community, and um, as clinical chief within Eastern Health, my role is to uh, help support the program and Melissa and um, our multiple clinics across the region, but also one of the big roles is to connect um, and create a, um, a bridge with the community positions into the health authority. So, Melissa, what what exactly is a collaborative care clinic for someone who hasn't encountered one of these setups before? So, a collaborative care clinic is um, it's a clinic in the community. It's team-based care, and so what that means is we have a full team of providers, um, which may include a physician, a nurse practitioner, um, and a, a, a full suite of allied health. So that could be occupational therapy, physiotherapy, social work, pharmacy, um, dietitians, nursing, um, registered nurses, LPNs, diabetic nurse educators, all working as um, one team under the same roof providing um, team-based care to patients. And so when a patient comes to one of our clinics, they can expect to be um, what we call attached to a primary provider, either a physician or nurse practitioner who's most responsible for their care, but can access all of those services. And those those team members will be working together. They'll be communicating back and forth around the care of the patient. And they'll be working the scope, which is a you know, foundational requirement uh, when we talk about team-based care. And I was going to ask you that. Is it all under the same roof? And, and where do you find the space for that? Are these new, uh, you know, constructions? Or do you find space for all of these different types of professionals? So that's a great question. Um, we In, in the case uh, of Metro, we have three clinics. Um, and they are all located under the same roof. We do use virtual care, um, obviously, to increase access where where it's appropriate. Um, so they're, they're new spaces. But we're also looking across the region to see how we can rethink and redesign um, primary health care. 
and and it may not be all on the same roof. When we think about our, our rural sites and how, you know, professionals could be scattered across a, a large geography. So we, we look to see, well, how can we um, connect those individuals so that they are part of a team? It's very important from a... Um, uh, a retention perspective and a uh, job satisfaction perspective, uh, but recognizing that, you know, the geography might limit us. So we, we use things like the electronic medical record. Um, we we think a lot about change management and how we can have things like huddles and virtual connections between teams so that they can work as part of a team but be spread across a geography. Right, but I would imagine it would be pretty convenient if you go in to see your your um, primary health professional, a doctor or or uh, a nurse practitioner, and say, you know, I'm really having trouble with my knees, and and they can say, well, you know, why don't you, why don't we schedule you for a bit of physio? Uh, just go next door here, Absolutely. <laughs> and you can see the physiotherapist. Yes, you're right, um, and that's certainly the the gold standard. Um, being able to access those services in a in a again a streamlined meaningful way under the same roof is um is a component of, of what we call a health home and uh, certainly something where we're getting very positive feedback from patients who are part of our collaborative team clinics here in the city um, around the service and their ability to access those services rebecca where did this idea come from yeah, so I guess that the concept of, of working in teams is not new. Um, it's it's a concept that's used um, across the country and actually across the world. Um, it just it's a new concept for for Newfoundland and Labrador and actually for our region. I guess to some extent, um, there's been team based care happening outside um, Eastern Health um, as rural areas tend to lend itself easier to that type of care um, when you have uh, community regions that have, for example, community health um, nursing and a physician's office in one building. So that tends to kind of um, make it easier to practice that type of care. But the, the concept of collaborative team clinics is not new. Uh, it just happens to, to be new for our region, which is really exciting. Um, but we know it works uh, across the country and across the world as the gold standard for primary care. Um, it just, it's, uh, there's a big piece of change management to, to, to get it off the ground and get it running and to be where we know it can be for patients and for providers. And Rebecca, um, you know, we're talking about Eastern Health now, but this is the same concept that can be used right across the province. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, hopefully that is the is the goal is that, you know, we have three in, in our region right now. Um, but, you know, ideally this would be... Um, a type of a type of care that could be you know carbon copied across across our region and um, ideally across the province. Now, in terms of the idea and where it came from, I mean, is it something that uh, Eastern Health and and the health authorities were aware of and thought might work here, or did physicians and other healthcare professionals come to you and say, "Look, I think this this is the way to go." Yeah, so I think the answer to that is both. I think, you know, um, both the NLMA and the College of Physicians, uh, Family Physicians, you know, have, have well known for a long time that team-based care is where we need to be. And certainly it's how MUN trains our residents is in team-based care. So I think everybody is in agreement and, and knows that this is where we needed to get. Um, you know, it just takes time to get there. And historically, it's not how we've practiced in, in Eastern Health. Um, for example, I practice 
practice in the fee-for-service, not in a team, in, in my own community practice. And that's, you know, the way most uh, family physicians practice in the metro area. <clears throat> so teams is, is a new, it's, it's a new um, approach in the region, but it's not a new idea, I guess. So are some physicians, you know, um, more in tune with this or, or um, agreeable to this than others? Um, I, I guess, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I guess, you know, some physicians are maybe content in, in their current practice. Um, but I think most people, um, you know, most people want to be part of a team. And what that looks like might be different, as obviously everybody can't practice within a CTC. But ultimately, you know, the vision um, would be to extend our teams to primary care networks such that community fee-for-service physicians could avail of that team and could tap into into hubs, into the team-based care. So whether they're working, as Melissa said, under the same roof or not, they could still avail of that team, team model, which I think is everybody's ultimate goal. My guests today on On Target are Melissa Kosh, Regional Director of Primary Health with Eastern Health, and we just heard from Rebe- Rebecca Rudovsky, Clinical Chief of Primary Health with Eastern Health. We're talking about collaborative care clinics, and uh, although we're talking about the Eastern Health region, a lot of these types of plans are in place uh, right across the island and, and, New- and Labrador as well. Uh, we'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. And we're back. My guest today on On Target, Melissa Kosh, Regional Director of Primary Health with Eastern Health, and Dr. Rebecca Rudovsky, Clinical Chief of Primary Health with Eastern Health. And we're talking about collaborative care clinics. And a lot of people, it's a new concept here, but as you both just pointed out, it's not a new concept. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of strange to people here in Newfoundland and Labrador right now. Uh, so I just want to ask a little few questions about how exactly they work. And, you know, when you call your family physician, you know who you're getting. You probably know uh, the reception area and, you know, you say, hey, you know, it's me. I need to get this done. And this, yeah, no problem. Tuesday morning, nine o'clock. Good for you. Yeah, no problem. So how does it work with a collaborative care clinic, Melissa? Is there one intake? Yes. So um, thanks for the question, because I think it's an important um, piece of clarity around how they work. So what I'll do, and I actually like to walk walk you through um, how a patient um, gets to one of the clinics and then what they can expect once they get there. So part of um, our intake is to ask patients to register with Patient Connect, and um, that then will prompt, um, whether they do it online or over the phone, um, they will be asked uh, a number of questions that will give us a little bit of insight into their health history. And uh, based on that, um, every, every patient, and so I ask... Um, ask folks to, to hang in there with us to be patient, will be contacted, and uh, a nurse will actually contact them. So a, a registered nurse or an LPN will contact them. They'll go through an intake process. And part of our intake, um, which we're, we're pretty proud of, is asking different questions around um, chronic disease. And so understanding, I guess, you know, what, what folks, A, are, are already um, living with, but also screening for chronic disease and understanding, I guess, what type of care um, folks have had over their, you know, their, their history or the last number of years. And so once the intake is done, an appointment will be booked, and it'll be with either a physician or a nurse practitioner, and we'll have what's called a meet and greet. So patients will be asked to, um, to, to come in to the clinic, and that clinic will be based on... Um, 
you know, what's closest to them. And that's really important from an access perspective. So they'll come in to the clinic. That that provider, that nurse practitioner or physician will then um, meet with them, have a meet and greet, we'll go through their intake, um, they'll get to know that provider, and then they'll talk about what's called attachment. And so attachment means that when you when you call to make an appointment, just as you described, um, that person that your provider you're meeting with will be your most pr- responsible provider, and so you will um, receive the majority of your care from that provider, but you will also have access to that full team. And so um, moving forward, it may be that you don't need a physician or a nurse practitioner most of the time. It might be that you, um, you know, you avail of the social worker or the physiotherapist or the pharmacist. Um, but what I can reassure folks is, is that that team will collaborate around your, your care. And so they'll have conversations about, you know, um, is, you know, I, I've got, uh, you know, I've got Melissa here. She's, you know, presenting with these, these complaints. You know, what is it that you can do to help her? And we do huddle. So, for example, we huddle every morning. We do complex case rounds um, every week. And so that allows each person to weigh in on a, a person's care um, where necessary and where appropriate and give them the best quality of care that um, they can receive from a primary health care health home. Right, because I think some people are just curious as to how that will work. I mean, if you go to your doctor and you say, you know, I'm having this pain in my shoulder, the doctor will probably be able to, uh, you know, assign you some tests to determine whether or not it's your heart, it's muscle, it's joint, you know, whatever the case may be. And perhaps Rebecca is best um, uh, to answer this sort of question. So if you're presenting with shoulder or chest pain, how does that team determine next steps? Yeah, so so great question. Um, and so I guess it, it also comes back to all the team being able to work to their, to their full scope. So, you know, understanding your scope and working within your scope and then using that team to support you when you have gone beyond your scope. Um, and I think that's, <clears throat> excuse me, that's a really important point because I think that's um, one of the important retention features for all the staff at the CTCs is that they get to work to their full scope of practice. And so is there that lead? Is, is the physician or the um, nurse practitioner the lead on that? Or, or is it, it clearly what it, it, it's called, a collaborative team effort? Yeah, so it is, it's a team effort for sure. But every patient is assigned to what we call a most responsible provider who, um, who serves as the quarterback for that patient with the full support of that team. And the most responsible provider could be a nurse practitioner or a family physician, but every patient at the clinic gets access to the services provided by the full team, including the nurse practitioner and the family physician. Melissa, one of the questions that has come up in recent days, and uh, there have been a couple of calls to VOCM Open Line, as you probably already know, but it has to do with the transfer of health records. Uh, You know, um, some people are wondering, you know, if this is uh, for patients who haven't seen a physician in a long time and are, are, you know, relatively new to the system, so to speak, or people who have just lost a family physician. How does that work? How does the transfer of records go? How do you know that this team will have everything they need? need to know so um, the, the to answer your first question the, the clinic is for um, any any patient or any individual that has doesn't have um, access to um, primary health care right now so they're, they're not attached to a clinic um, so it could be that you've just lost um, 
your your family physician. It could be that you haven't had one for years. You know, both of those situations certainly are appropriate to register for the clinic. Um, in terms of transfer of information, you know, there's one of the um, I guess opportunities for us to improve is around uh, medical records. And so at the clinic, we use what's called an electronic medical record. And depending on where you're coming from, some of that information could be captured within it um, and could be transferred. There's there's a there's a mechanism to do that. And likewise, if there's paper charting, there's mechanisms whereby patients would have, or pardon me, um, physicians would have conversations with patients about how to transfer those records. Um, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, I think there's there's multiple systems that capture health information, um, and our teams would have access to them. Uh, part of, though, what we're, we're trying to do is make sure that we've got a really solid baseline of where um, individuals are, as I just spoke about, in terms of the intake. So, you know, uh, understanding what their history looks like, and that helps then for the providers, um, again, whether it be the physician, nurse practitioner, or the nurse, to, to do some digging and, and find the appropriate information you know, based on what a patient has told them and, and being part of the circle of care. When we come back after the break, I want to ask Rebecca how the professionals come to your attention. How do you compile these teams? Who's involved in that process? Uh, when we come back right after the break, my guests today on On Target are talking about collaborative health clinics. Melissa Kosh is Regional Director of Primary Health with Eastern Health. And Dr. Rebecca Radovsky is Clinical Chief of Primary Health with Eastern Health. We'll be back right after this. Take a break. Join us weekdays from 1230 to 1 p.m. as we discuss anything and everything that's happening now. It's all on the table during your VOCM lunch break. And we're back. We're talking about collaborative health clinics. It's a relatively new concept here in Newfoundland and Labrador. We already have a couple uh, um, opened in the Eastern Health region, and there's more coming uh, across the province. And uh, my guests today who are detailing some of that, because a lot of people have a lot of questions, are Melissa Kosh, Regional Director of Primary Health with Eastern Health, and Dr. Re Rebecca Rodofsky, Clinical Chief of Primary Health and Eastern Health. And uh, Rebecca, Melissa earlier uh, mentioned, you know, how patients come into contact with these clinics. You have to register with Patient Connect. <clears throat> but how do these uh, health professionals come to your attention? Do they come to you? Do you reach out to them? How do, how do they, you know, how do you select these uh, individuals and and how do they come together? Yeah, great question. Thank you. So um, what we've done with, with our teams and the decision around uh, what type of allied health and staff are needed, we've used the data from our electronic medical record to decide what that patient population needs and so what allied health would best serve them. And we use that data um, to decide how to build a team around that patient population so that we know that they're best served. Yeah, so do so, we tend uh, to see um, more than one physician or nurse practitioner at some of these clinics? Yeah, absolutely. So at each of our CTCs, we have uh, four nurse practitioners and um, three full-time equivalent uh, family physicians. And so the way that uh, that came to be is they came from... Um, all over. Um, nurse practitioners came from all over and the family physicians came from all over. Um, we've had family physicians even come to work at the CTCs from the United States. So it's, um, it's, been, it's been really great to see people want to come and work in, in the team-based model of care. So how many patients might one of these clinics serve? 
Yeah, so each each CTC um, can serve up to 7,500 uh, patients in its, in its full sum. Wow, so when you're talking about a rural area, you're talking about, you know, almost full coverage. Uh, yeah, I guess depending on depending on the area, yeah. Um, but yeah, the the full team um, can certainly serve um, quite a lot of uh, of patients. And how does it work in terms of uh, hours, uh, booking, those kinds of things? Uh, maybe Melissa is uh, best suited for this one. You know how how does that work in terms of access to to these clinics? Sure. So access to primary health care is one of our strategic priorities um, within Eastern Health. And so we've been really thoughtful around how we ensure there is proper access. Um, we have extended hours, and so the clinic is opened um, uh, every evening, Monday to Thursday, and also on the weekends. And then we've also um, created a system whereby uh, individuals can have access to urgent care. And so, you know, making sure that we have ability within the team to take, um, you know, appointments within 24 hours to keep people out of the emergency room. That's part of our, our model as well. You know, virtual care also helps uh, lend itself, I guess, to improved access, particularly around in our in our more rural and, and uh, across the region. So, you know, those I guess combined are some of our strategies to increase access. The other piece, I guess, is because um, because we have a full team um, working to scope. You know, just to go back to, we do want um, patients to see their most responsible provider, the provider they're attached to most of the time. But because they're working as part of a team in those cases where there's urgent care required, um, you know, they may they may choose to see somebody else in the clinic. Um, to meet those needs, but there would be really strong communication back to that most responsible provider so that we ensure there's continuity of care for that patient. And those extended hours are really important, aren't they? Because often, you know, we all live busy, busy lives and you might do something in the course of a day and it's not until you get home and you're sat down for a a bit and you say, oh, I really do think I got something done to my ankle, you know, and that's when you're seeking out those expert opinions. You know, it's not usually during those convenient nine to five hours. You got it. And that's, you know, again, part of what we've heard twofold, really, from patients is that that access in the evenings. And there's lots of family practices out there that do that. We are part of what we're trying to do here, though, is to A, provide access to, to patients, but also um, B, it's important for providers to have that sort of ability to um you know, have have those weekend clinics and feel like they're able to, um, you know, work hours that meet the needs of their patients, but not, um, you know, around the clock, which is what we were hearing, I guess, from providers, particularly in the fee-for-service world, in order to meet the needs of their patients, being that they're, they're typically the, the one-stop shop, um, they were having to work these really long hours. So being part of a team allows them to have that work-life balance. And... Uh- Dr. Rebecca Rudovsky, in terms of uh, how the uh, health professionals are being compensated here, you're a fee-for-service. Not all doctors feel that that fits their needs. Um, How does does that aspect of things work? Um, You know, because some fee-for-service physicians might feel like they have to see so many patients in the course of a day to meet their overhead and that sort of thing. These are some of the arguments that have been brought forward by the NLMA. Um, So how does that work? 
Yeah, so, you know, the, the, the payment model in the CTCs is a salary model, so we um, worked really hard to, to get away from fee-for-service. And, yeah, just to be clear, I don't work in these clinics. I actually work fee-for-service in the community, so um, I have, you know, very intimate knowledge with the shortcomings of the fee-for-service model as that's what I, you know, eat, sleep, and breathe every day of my career. Um, so the shift towards salaried is... Um, a really wonderful thing for so many reasons um, but as Melissa said you know speaks to the ability to provide um, access after hours um, without having to you know provide that yourself um, it also allows for improved work-life balance which we hear day in and day out the burnout that's happening in family physicians and the fee-for-service model so this model is salaried and um, hopefully that will serve to better suit um, family physicians needs who are able to to work here and i suppose you have a better sense of what your actual hours will be yes absolutely so there's that too you know there's um We've worked really hard to to build in um, paperwork time and so that people aren't taking the work home because, um, again, we hear time and time again the burnout and the after-hours work that's happening to our family physicians and that burden that's on them. And um, it's, it's definitely contributing to why so many people are, are, not, are choosing not to set up practice in the community. And so if we can build something that takes away that burden, um, then hopefully people can... Um, feel like they can can do the work that they want to do and that they were trained to do more attractive to attracting young doctors I hope so. Um, I, I think so. I mean, if I was starting out and this was an option, it would feel very appealing to me. Um, and again, as I said earlier, this is how residents are trained. Um, you know, they're not trained to set up shop and to work, you know, in a clinic with one or two people and also managing the business and also, you know, doing all things for all of their patients at every moment of every day. Um, it just doesn't work. And I think everybody is, is well aware that it doesn't work. And so we're trying to build something that takes that burden off. But, and again, as I said earlier, which I think is a really important point, we're trying to build something that will also help those uh, fee-for-service physicians like myself in the community who, you know, who aren't working at the CTC. So how can we better support them um, using this team-based model of care? When we come back after the break, I want to ask you both about, uh, you know, the kind of response that uh, this um, collaborative team clinic approach is getting, uh, both from patients and the healthcare professionals themselves, and what kind of plans are in place for the future. Uh, my guests today on On Target are Melissa Kosh, a regional, uh, sorry, regional director of primary health with Eastern Health, and Dr. Rebecca Rodowski, clinical chief of primary health with Eastern Health. We'll be back right after this. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your requests to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. And we're talking about collaborative health clinics uh, today on On Target. Melissa Kosh, Regional Director of Primary Health with Eastern Health, and Dr. Rebecca Rodofsky is Clinical Chief of Primary Health with Eastern Health. And we've been talking a little bit, some of the technicalities involved in uh, these kinds of things, kind of a new concept here for Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, although they are in place in many other parts of the country. And uh, Melissa, what kind of a feedback are you getting from patients and from health professionals 
So I'll start with patients. It's a good timing in that we've just, uh, in the last number of weeks, started a, a patient survey just to get some feedback, as, as it is still early days. And the feedback has been um, so far very positive. Lots of great feedback from patients around, um, you know, the access to the team and the quality of the care that they're receiving. Um, many patients, um, it's it, in some ways not not shocking, but also I guess eye-opening in terms of, of seeing it, uh, haven't had access to primary care in years. Whether they've chosen that or they haven't haven't been able to, um, I would suggest for the most part it's that they just haven't been able to access primary care. So they haven't had, you know, routine screening, things like pap smears or mammograms and those types of things um, are, are far far past due. And so we're able to, again, identify those needs and meet them and getting lots of positive feedback. Um, from a provider perspective, um, we are, you know, again, very positive. Um, there's, we've, we had heard for a long time before we were able to operationalize these clinics that this is this is the way of the future. This is what how people want to work. Um, lots of uh, change management is a big piece of this, and so lots of learnings um, in terms of you know what what are what are the scope of some of these professionals in a primary care environment because some of this is new, and so they're learning and growing together. Um, the space. So we're we're trying. We've we've looked at the evidence and and the research and understood what types of space lend themselves to collaboration. And we've you know we've designed space in a way that we we felt would would be best um, for collaboration. And we're learning from that too. So we've had to make changes. Um, so that's you know those are, are pieces I guess. And and again from a provider retention perspective, their voice is really important. So you know physicians nurse practitioners, the, the whole team alike, right to our clerical staff, have been able to give us feedback, and then we we have to uh, to change. So we do what we call plan, do, check, act. And we planned it, we did it, um, we check it. If it's not working, then we're going to change it, and uh, that's part of our learning as we work our way through this model. So making those changes and tweaking things here and there to, to make it, you know, roll, I guess, a whole lot more efficiently. Absolutely. I mean, as far as we, we're, we're, we're very lucky in that we are utilizing what's called the electronic medical record in these clinics, and that in itself has um, some logic built in and an ability for us to be able to standardize care. So, you know, I'll give you an example um, around diabetes care. So we use the feedback from the various professionals in terms of what they need to see for a patient who is, you know, at risk of diabetes or recently diagnosed with diabetes and build a, a, a what we call a pathway or a, a care map within that electronic medical record so that, that we know that that patient is getting everything that they need to manage their diabetes. And then that is built into the, to the record so that the next patient with diabetes, that team can use that information and the way that that is um, designed to uh, to ensure they get the best possible care. So those are the sort of the, the growth that we're seeing, and we're, we're doing that for all sorts of different situations and different, um, you know, I guess, diseases, chronic diseases um, that we're seeing in primary care.
And Rebecca, on that point, uh, I was going to ask you, because, it, it, you know, we're seeing, or so we're told, a lot more chronic illness, a lot more patients presenting with chronic illness. And, of course, we know the stats here in Newfoundland and Labrador when it comes to diabetes and, and, and you know, all of the aspects of, um, you know, managing uh, diabetes care. We've heard a lot through the Health Accord recently about the social determinants of health. Do, do these collaborative care clinics help to address some of those issues, The you know, the case management of chronic illness and and those social determinants of health. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to say that they they do. You know, to some extent, they really do. So at our clinics, we have, um, for example, a diabetic nurse educator um, that can really help to, to better control um, and and manage their diabetes and their chronic disease. Um, the other thing that we have is we have access to social work, which um, is oftentimes one of the most important members of the team um, in terms of those social determinants of health. So we do try and address all those things, and the social determinants of health are, are so important and such an integral part of primary health care. So um, I'm happy to see them woven through our teams. Are you seeing a lot of interest, Melissa? Absolutely. Um, there's, you know, again, I think there's a movement afoot in the community to say that this is, as Rebecca has said, this is the way to practice. Um, you know, it's again, it's it's brand new, and we're 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 building it as we um, as as we go. So professionals and patients alike are very interested in the model. Um, I think really the only place is is up from here in terms of how we how we continue to grow, how we continue to learn, and uh, and meet the needs of the patients and the and, and ultimately the the community. Linda, that's really where we we want to make sure that that community voice is part of our planning, that we understand the needs of the community and that we're meeting them. So what are the long-term plans? Is this the future of family practice in Newfoundland and Labrador, thinking, you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the line? Absolutely. We hope so. Um, and, and I guess just to reiterate that this is this is one mechanism. This is one way for us to increase access to primary care through team-based care. Team-based care is the answer. What those teams look like will be different depending on where you are. Um, it'll also be different... Um, in terms of, of what Rebecca described as the primary health care network. So we're working very closely with the Family Practice Network and trying to build these networks so that fee-for-service physicians feel supported, that those patients have access to these hubs. And then, you know, looking, setting our sights as we look across the region to our, our premier, more rural um, geography and how, you know, the, the teams that already exist out there and the community assets that are out there, how we can align them so that these teams are managing um, the care and the, the needs of the community in a really meaningful way. Um, that's that's really the future that we look forward to, and it's happening very quickly. So we've, you know, built these teams in the last, throughout the pandemic, um, to be honest, and then, you know, we're really looking forward to the next 6 to 12 months to, to expand what we've already done. And, you know, you mentioned the pandemic, but you also mentioned the fact that there are, are these uh, virtual uh, aspects to this as well, so that, you know, even if your practitioner is not in the space, they can still see you. Yes, absolutely. And so um, I'll give you an example of some of the work we're doing in the Holyrood area. So we have a, a hub in the Holyrood area that has spokes to um, St. Mary's and will extend to other parts of the region. And they offer a program in the community uh, around respiratory care and they utilize remote patient monitoring. Um, which 
is a, a virtual tool to be able to uh, monitor patients from all all over different geographies, but they're located, their hub is in Holyrood, and we're reaching patients across the region. So it's uh, it's it's how we utilize the tools, the virtual tools, in a in a meaningful way to provide access. That is part of um, part of our strategy as well. So you mentioned Holyrood. So where are these clinics currently located, and how do people access them? So our three collaborative team clinics that um, we've been referencing throughout the interview are uh, one is in the East End, and it's it's actually temporarily located at 50 Monday Pond Road. Um, the uh, that so that will be CTC East. CTC Center is located at Seven Pippi Place, and CTC West is also temporarily located at um, Eleven Forty Four Topsail Road. How you access the clinics is through Patient Connect. And so Patient Connect uh, was a response to a need to be able to streamline access to these clinics. It's a registry, and it can be um, accessed online at patientconnect.nlchi.nl.ca. Again, you'll be asked um, a number of questions related to your current health status, as well as um, demographic information, which will help us to ensure you you get access to a, a clinic closest to you. Or you can um, register by phone at Telelink at 1-833-913-4679. I'll also add that for folks that have registered already, um, again, we are these clinics are... Um, are, are fairly new. Uh, some are newer than others, but we've really just been able to build these teams in the last four months. Um, the latest clinic only opened in March. And so for folks who've already registered, if they do need to update their health status, they can call the number that I've just given. Um, and just to bear with us, and, be, and uh, we will be in touch, as I've said, a registered nurse will be in touch to do that intake and, um, and get them attached to the clinic as soon as possible. And you mentioned some of these uh, clinics right now are at their temporary locations. Are you hoping to keep them in the general area? Yes. So the um, essentially how it works is we have to go out to tender, um, but that those geographies, that was an important piece. Um, we will have, be in the east end, the west end, and in the center city. Monday Pond recognizing isn't um, isn't isn't East End, but it was the only location we could um, avail of uh, right now. So the East End Clinic will be um, further east once it finds its permanent location. We have about a minute or so left. Rebecca, final thoughts? Um, yeah, thanks so much for the opportunity today. And, you know, I, I keep saying at every opportunity that it's, it's a really exciting time to be involved in primary care right now. I know we've had um, um, right at Crossroads, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a great time to be, to be part of the solution and, and see how we can make things better for, for everybody, providers and for patients. Melissa, final thoughts? Uh, no, I think Rebecca said it all. Just, uh, again, thank you for the opportunity and um, appreciate, uh, appreciate the chat. Melissa Kosh, Regional Director of Primary Health with Eastern Health. Rebecca Rodofsky, Clinical Chief of Primary Health with Eastern Health. Thank you very much for taking the time with us this afternoon. There's a lot there. Uh, we will have the phone numbers and the, the links uh, connected to a news story in the next little while. I appreciate your time, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that's all for today. We'll be back tomorrow. Stay tuned for another show then, and thanks for listening.